And now the creator of Ren and Stimpy, Bob Kemp. Rolls downstairs, a loner in pairs, rolls over your neighbor's dog. It's great for a snack, it fits on your back. It's log, log, log. It's log, it's log, it's big, it's heavy as wood. It's log, it's log, it's better than bad. It's good. Everyone wants a log. Everyone loves a log. Diddle did it did it from Blamo. There we go, that's the log song. And you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess and take that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Good afternoon, everybody, from our virtual living room studio, deep in the underground living quarters in Bubblegum Emporium in Area 51. Hello, and welcome to TalkCast. What number is this? Oh, my God, it's 274. And this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Enjoying a brief respite from the monotony of the mundane, I am the Francis Gary Powers of Sci-Fi Saturday Night, Flying through the stratosphere undetected, as far as anybody knows, the dome. Joining the talk cast tonight, the rest of the gang of four from the Revere Time Vortex, the technical omnivore. We had a little bobble at the beginning, but she bobbles better than anybody I know. In fact, she's our own bobblehead, our own girl genius, Griana. Yeah, what she said. <laughs> Who is from she? The, you may never know. We, we may never know, and that's <laughs> fine. From the stacks of her personal space in the Dank Dungeons Indoor Zen Garden, where she sells salt licks by the Sea of Tranquility Shore, our own Zombrarian. I'm sorry. Um, I discovered a new game that has <laughs> alphabet letters, and I'm not paying attention to you guys right now. And now she's going to mute herself again and go back to it. From yeah. a galaxy not as far away as you might think, the woman in chainmail, adoring everything Marvel. She's full of Marvel goodness today after having seen the latest Marvel movie. We all Read did. the latest Marvel comic books. <laughs> and wearing her Red Agent Carter lipstick, please welcome Sir Sarah Lady Knight. I did actually wear it last night. I was very excited. It was very exciting. I think I speak for everyone here when I say... Uh, also, uh, also, not, yes. Evangeline Lily punches Paul Rudd in the face in Ant Man. Can the yeah, movie see? Just... See the part of that sentence that made everything else completely moot was Ant Man. Yes, <laughs> but I'm just gonna pretend that Ant Man is two hours of that. A- Ant Man oh. is about Paul Rudd getting punched in the face by Evangeline Lily, and yes. that's it. Anything I that's all I want. That's all hundred percent the movie. That would be a better movie than what is probably going to come out of Or that here's movie. a better idea. Don't make Ant Man. Too late. Here's a better so idea. Is if you've Black made Ant Man already, don't release it. Save yourself the money. And well, the and the shame. We'll talk about that later. What? Before we get to that, our guest tonight 
is Action Labs Comics' own Jamal Eigel. Jamal, welcome to the show again. Yeah, thanks for having me back. <laughs> hey, it's always a pleasure when you're here. Uh, later on in the show, we're going to talk about some some new things that you're involved in, and some old things that you're involved in that are that are becoming new again. And I've I've made Swiss cheese of that sentence, so forget about <laughs> anything. Uh, before we talk about uh, the latest incarnations in the Marvel universe, uh, I want to take a, a quick moment to uh, note the passing of Grace Lee Whitney. Star Trek's yeoman Janice Rand, who died this week. And if you remember uh, who that is, you're probably older than 50. You're probably my age, and that's fine. <laughs> well, don't, for the record. <laughs> One of the interesting things about her is she was only uh, in seven of the original ser uh, episodes. And, and that's only interesting if you have seven brain... No, I'm just kidding. I, well, I'm only a little kidding. That's right. Well, be kidding a lot. <laughs> um, she she was a neat lady. She was in a lot of the Star Trek movies afterwards. The original Star Trek 3, 4, Voyage Home, blah, 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 blah. Uh, she was in a bunch of Star Trek fan pro projects, uh, like Of Gods and Men and the New Voyages. Uh, she was a very sweet woman who, who had a very interesting life. And she will be missed by those of us who remember her. Grace Lee Whitney died this week. And what... See, and, and what I didn't say was both of them. Mm -hmm. Thank you so You're much. You're welcome. See, I didn't say that. Yeah, I know. And if I could reach through the, 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 the virtual studio right now and throw something at you, I probably would. I know. It's because I'm cute, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> She's dot... She's the cute I'm one. so cute. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, the, the elephant in the room right now is Avengers Age of Ultron. I can, I can hear Zombrian shouting from the other room. Oh, did you did you break what? Sir Sarah? <laughs> Why did you break Sir Sarah? God. The Avengers broke me. Uh, I mean, I guess in which Hawkeye becomes even more boring. Oh my god. Like, yeah, no, not. Could you be lamer? And the answer apparently was yes. Yes. Yeah, I feel like they tried really hard to, like, make him the heart of the team. And I'm glad that they tried to do that with him and not Natasha, because that's always kind of, like, shoehorned into, like, the feminine. Um, but it didn't work because nobody cares about Hawkeye. <laughs> Sorry, he's I not tried. the most dynamic character no, in the group. No, he's not, and Jeremy Renner is a fucking asshole. As always, I'm going to be the dissenting voice. Well, not always. Wait, you, you, don't, my you, guess. you don't think Jeremy Renner is an asshole? Yes, you do. I think hey, Jeremy hey, hey, Renner hey. is a complete and total asshole. But I don't mind what they did with that character because I actually kind of like that they gave him a reason that he's always really distant from the mm. rest of the team. He always seems kind of removed and off in his own little corner and his one, well, his two real connections to the team are through Nick Fury and Natasha. Yeah. And I think that this movie kind of established really well why that is. He has I other priorities in his life and that's cool. Yeah. No, I think that's fair, um, and I see why 
I I agree with you. I just personally you know wasn't what? compelled. If I wanted to see that, I'd watch a fucking romantic comedy. No, he. They needed to do one of two things. They either needed to give him backstory or write him the hell out. Or better idea, kill him off. They could have done that as well. I thought they were going to. I was so sure that they were going to kill him. It would have been a much better choice. It would have been a better character death than the one they gave us because what was was that? Yeah. Oh, wait, 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 the obligatory. If you haven't seen the film, shut us off for five minutes. Wait a minute. I think think we have some sort of alarm sound. Do we? Spoiler alert? I guess we don't. (laughs) (laughs) no that one wasn't very good um no no, it wasn't right find us a spoiler no 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 not bad what about that blaring cell phone alarm that one kind of works that's pretty good no i like that i know i like i like i like this one I don't think it's dramatic enough, though. I think that one's better because it's louder, and if people try to, like, block out the few minutes that we talk, then they can tune back in when they hear that. Okay, sorry, I'm just having way too much fun with the sounds now. I'm gonna shut... I'm I'm gonna stop. Um, anyway. Spoiler alert, there's a death. Spoiler alert, it's Quicksilver. (laughs) <laughs> Which sucks because he was he was actually almost kind of interesting. Yeah. I know they were like, here's a really interesting character with a compelling backstory. Dead. Well, I mean, here's a potentially interesting backstory. I mean, a potentially interesting character who already has the backstory. So, so why not kill Hawkeye and let him live so that you can actually develop a character instead of having this cardboard cutout of Jeremy Renner run around the screen. You well, know why? Because Joss Whedon is who... leaving, and yeah, yeah. Well, someone on the internet was like, um, "So to give more development to an underdeveloped character, you added more undeveloped characters who didn't actually accomplish developing this character." Right? Yeah, <laughs> he he just yeah. wore flannel like a lesbian. I can see well, that. The, the, the reality is that. Half the backstory for most of these characters. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to get really, really mean right now. Does he look really old to anyone else? Yes, he looks so much older than the rest of them. The crow's feet are starting to get really prominent. And I'm kind of thinking, like, does he need a walker to get around? Like, (laughs) Like, I will say, though, that he did get the best line in the whole movie. The bow and arrows line? Yes. Yes, that was that was pretty great. That was a great line. It w- yes, it was fantastic. It was uh, something. It was something to the effect of the city is floating. I've gotten a bow and arrow, and we're fighting a robot army. None of this makes sense. <laughs> and you just totally went, right. yeah, yep. Yep. <laughs> totally right, one hundred percent. But it sure is fun to watch. Da da da. Um, can we talk about how much I hated the Natasha Bruce romance? No! Why? They're so great! It it just felt so shoehorned in. Like, it felt like they did the romance, A, because she's the lady and they needed to pair her up with someone, and B, for her to have important conversations that, like, added to her backstory, but... 
the thing is, she could have had that con- the, all of the conversations with a friend, like how she's really good friends with Steve. Like, I could see her in a or situation. Really good Do you think she is really good friends with Steve, though? Because I feel like they're yes. just kind of fuck buddies. And Kriana interrupted no. me. Or she could have really important conversations with, say, Hawkeye, because obviously they're really good friends because her kids call, his kids call her yeah. on See, that, that's actually right. true. And then they could have yeah. developed both characters that way without in- introducing more characters that aren't developed. Right. Um, yeah. so, so clearly that could have been better. Um, Although yeah. I will say that ho- those whole farmhouse scenes, it kind of gives you an idea of how boring they were because I noticed this. But also, I was kind of impressed with the product placement in them. <laughs> because all of a sudden, you I realized it. there was not one shot in that farmhouse where there was not a Gillette product, including when Tony is sitting in the old, old barn talking to Nick Fury, and you realize that all the vintage signs on the walls are Gillette advertisements. Oh my god, I did see that. That's, yes. It was Ugh. hilarious. So much product placement. Ugh. There was a yeah, lot but, of Adidas but, too when they were lacing up their shoes. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's funny how polarizing the Natasha Bruce romance is. Like everyone I've talked to, either like loves it or hates it. I don't think it's that bad. Like literally, everyone else has love interests. And yeah. why, why not at this point? It would be kind of weird. I mean, yeah, they could have introduced other random characters for them to be attracted to, but I kind of like the sort of theme that they played up, that they're both monsters, just, you know, Bruce wears his on the outside. Yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and it makes Natasha's backstory that much deeper. Yeah. And well, people it, it, were saying that the Bruce-Natasha romance turned her into a damsel in distress, but I really found it more to be that she was constantly rescuing him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it I don't think it was that at all. I think it was more of a leveling influence. I think so too. She, she became at the same level with everybody else on that team at that point. And that was that was a brilliant move in the writing. Because I just, he's all like I'm a monster. She's like, "Well, so am I." So, whatever. Well, and looking at the personalities of everyone else on the team who they've done a good you know, who they've done a good enough job characterizing that we can see them, none of them are the right personality to calm him down except for her. Yeah. She I don't know. I just, that it didn't, very it didn't low feel... Pat Loki. Um, <laughs> so she's got that kind of calm, nothing phases her kind of presence. Well, she's got that yeah. calm with this incredible fury underneath the surface, just barely underneath the surface. Right. So in a way, it mirrors of... him, and that's why it totally works, that they're compatible absolutely. for each other. Yeah, absolutely. So and yet, have I convinced I, I, you yet? No. And, not. It just, it didn't feel natural to me. It felt really shoehorned in, like, it didn't feel organic. I just, I didn't, I, I went in, A, thinking that it was just, like, people shipping them and not that it was actually going to happen, and B, being like, all right, well, I want Natasha to be happy and, like, whoever she finds happiness with, that's great. And it just, I was watching it and I was like, I don't, I don't feel this. Like, I don't feel the chemistry. I can't see them, like, falling for each other. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't feel it. It doesn't feel real to me. 
I, um, and I, I have that. I have a question. What's up? Is the Ed Norton Hulk movie not canon? No, it's not. Totally not. No. All right. Actually, I mean, established. Neither, neither of the, the, neither that one or the Ang Lee one. Yeah. They, uh, they well, yeah, they I know about that, that one. They they said that way back in the very beginning of the movies that the Ed Norton that none of the Hulk movies were going to be canon. Okay. I don't know. If I ever saw like that announcement because I was really confused because a he has a girlfriend. And B, it was established in that movie that he can't have sex if his heart rate gets up past a certain point. And I was like, I don't know how, like, are we going to forget about another lady? Sarah, you're breaking up there. Like, what's going on? But okay, I I just, like, never saw that it wasn't um, canon. So I was kind of like, what? Yeah, they... They you need to go back and look um, at the, the original comic book line, and his development uh, was closer to canon in the Avengers than it ever was in either of the previous movies. All right, all right, all right. Let's leave these guys for a minute and go to um, shit. Who was I going to go to? The Scarlet Beast. Witch. Uh, no, nah, she's kind of boring, actually. No, I have no. I love her. I mean, I like her, but I don't have much to say about her. She's I have like, important whatever. things to say. Okay, give us an important thing to say. Yeah, I hear them. I have a major, my one major, major complaint. When I walked out of that movie, the only thing that made me mad, of course, happened in like the last <sighs> 10 seconds. And Kriana can verify it was the very first thing I said as we were standing up besides, oh my gosh, that girl next to you is so obnoxious. <laughs> the second thing I said was, what the hell? Because they had, they had Scarlet Witch in this, you know, it was cute and it was a nod to her. Dude, you gotta get to the point because you've, like, been building up to this for, like, 20 minutes. Now. I'm getting to the point if people stop interrupting me, Kriana. Zombrian's mad about her boobs. Yeah. She was in this cute outfit that was a nod like, to the comic book persona the whole time. And then, all of a sudden, because we can't have a girl superhero without it, tits everywhere. What the mm. fuck is with that? I didn't think it was that bad. Rose together from Tony Stark's closet is better for crime fighting than the one specially made for her in an Avengers facility. Fuck that shit. Yeah, I didn't really care. I, I kind of, I kind of have to agree with you. Tits everywhere, and it was. It looks awful. It was unnecessary. Unnecessary. And they dyed her hair, though. That's what bothered me. And Kriana was bothered because they dyed her hair. But Fake I was... gingers suck. <laughs> Good. <laughs> That's discrimination. Anyway, let's talk about the vision and how they changed his character around to fit this plotline. I love yeah. the vision. I liked him. I loved him. He, I thought he he's was not really wonderful. popular. I, I liked him too, but he, I, I found later that he's not really popular. Jamal, do you have any opinions on any of this? Um, I haven't seen the movie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, we're sorry. No, we're spoiling the fuck out of it for you, aren't we? <laughs> Crap. I, I, I've been trying not to pay too much attention. Okay, sorry. Go back to your corner. <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> We'll be done with this in about five minutes. Never mind. Um, yeah, okay. So the Vision, 
they they sort of changed him around. He's Jarvis, but not Jarvis. Yeah, he is, but isn't, and I'm not sure that I like that. But the well, character he, wasn't a bad character. He's his own thing, and they changed they changed his origin obviously quite a lot. And now instead of having just like a random power source on his forehead, he has one of those fancy jelly beans that the purple guy wants. <laughs> the Infinity Stone. Yeah, whatever they're called. I don't know. Can I point Infinity out Stone. that from a story and writing standpoint, I was really pissed that they didn't clearly tell us his name at any point during the movie. It really yeah. bothered me. Yeah, because when, when Thor's talking about stuff, I thought he was saying that he saw in his vision. But no, that was the character's name. Yeah, it was very badly done. If you didn't know what it was already, you were confused, probably. Yeah, that's... I was like, purple guy. Purple guy's awesome, and... Jewel head guy. Yeah, he's great. And I was like, I don't know it. Well, because I I googled jewel head guy Avengers. I remember that. (laughs) I remember the phone conversation we had. Jewel head guy, I'm googling it. Oh, no. Jewel, Jewelhead guy was cool. All right, listen. We can talk about the movie for you know an hour, and, right. and still not agree on everything. But there's <laughs> that a couple of other things. Fun to me. No, no. There's a couple of other things we need to talk about. Wait, I thought, uh, I thought the theme of the show was Avengers spoilers. <laughs> that's, let's, not, that's not true. Let's, let's talk about lies. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I do that. Let's talk about Joss Whedon for a second. Um. And how he's the awesomest man on earth. Joss Whedon walked away from Twitter this week and literally said, uh, in the nicest way possible, uh, to the Twitterverse. Ostensibly, his his reason for doing so was that he needs to write, and Twitter is like crack, and he needs to get off it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, kind of fair. Which is really thinly saying, veiled, not true. Oh no, they didn't drive me off is bullshit. But also calling someone a racist, sexist, transphobic, misogynist. Oh, don't forget ableist. That was an in there ableist, too. misogynist. Um, well, if you're going to call somebody that, at least write about it, at and they're not. At least make it true. Right. And it's so not true. Yeah. I mean, it's this, the least true thing. This this is a writer, producer, director who has has a sterling track record when it comes to feminism. When it comes, not to sterling, but of, a much better than. We'll give him above average. Look, every, everyone makes mistakes. It's your willingness and ability to admit and correct them that should be what you judge them by. And I think, in that measure, he does have a sterling record. I yep. agree. And yeah. here's my thing. Um, and he like, turned... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I feel like this whole Twitter bombing of him has been a gross overreaction. Was I, I do Sasha have to Bruce agree. romance yeah. debatable in its wisdom? Yes. However... We've proven just now that you can have a very interesting talk, debate about it between two feminists who don't agree. Or even three. Or even three. One who is <laughs> like, eh, I didn't really care. One who is like, I liked it. One who is like, I didn't like it. And 
we all talked about it and we're normal. And What's nobody gave <laughs> nobody had any death threats. There were no death threats. Did what? you know that? We're doing something wrong. Crazy. We're doing something wait, 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 wait. wrong. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're not making my point. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jamal, you were you were trying to chime in at one point. Yes. Um this is actually a conversation that I was having with my wife earlier today. Um I feel like we are in this cycle of criticism that has been exasperated by technology. You know, it, the, the, lynch, the lynch mob mentality has grown exponentially because of the anonymity of Twitter. I don't it, think it's the anonymous factor that's the case. I think it's it's just a platform, and people will use any platform to have that happen. Like people are jerks. To push their I, agenda. I know. I agree, I agree with that. I agree with that. But I also I uh, this is something that I you know I have to deal with you know in my my capacity over at Action Lab, and one of the, that's one of the things that I try to keep an eye on in terms of dealing with people on social media. And the thing is, you have to remember that the technology that we are currently using is still very much in its infant stage. It's only about 10 years old. So compare, you know, when you compare it to the other technologies that we have, it's still a baby. You know, we have not set, and not so much rules for it yet, but sort of mutually agree to guidelines. Societal conventions, if you will. Ex exactly. Like, don't Ex tag your hate. Like, when <laughs> I bitch about how much I hate Ward during my Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. live tweet, I don't hashtag Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because I don't want to piss people off. It's like, but, don't don't tag your hate, guys. Right, but at the, at the same time, and this goes for creators as well. You know, this goes for the Joss Whedon's, or the Kevin Smith's, or the Adam Baldwin's, or who, mm. whoever, celebrities, who, whoever. You, my general rule is not to say anything on social media that I wouldn't say to somebody's face. But honestly, Jamal, I, I disagree with you on the point that this is technology's fault. I honestly think it's parenting. No, I'm not blaming, I'm not necessarily blaming technology itself. Technology is the tool. I think I think the the it's the symptom is is what's the result of this technology is you can see it more clearly right than you you necessarily would have been able to like you could see people acting like hateful jerks and they think it's okay and what we need right. to do as a society is send a clear message that death threats are not okay in, in any, any situation ever. I don't care if they're Nazis well Nazis uh, may be the exception. I think you've just made found the exception. The yeah. exception it's, it's, that makes the rule, right? Right. Yeah. I I agree. There, uh, but it's not just the death threats thing. There's a there's a, a Tumblr blog called Getting Racist Fired, and they basically it's visual it's digital vigilante. So they, uh, you know, in some cases, it, you might feel like it's justified, but they've also made mistakes and have gotten people in trouble. You know, and and that again is a is a part of the this entire thing. It's the same thing. Joss Whedon, as far as I know, 
Joss Whedon has been very ardent in his support of of of, of women, of feminism, you know, much more than I think the the average guy in his position would be in. And well, I don't personally know anyone who like would disagree his, with that. Right. Yeah. So, um, like his comment about the um, Jurassic World trailer that he made he was like oh i'm sorry i forgot we weren't still like in the 60s with oh this oh my and gosh when he got that called was out, actually really offensive i hated that trailer yeah. yeah but when he was called out about it he was like i'm sorry like i forget that twitter like it shouldn't for me be a place to say things like that it's too public but he also refused to delete the tweet and was like no i i still stand by that I found that trailer offensive. I don't know right. if the movie will be offensive because I was judging it before I had seen it, but I still stand by what I said, and that right. was sexist. And I was like, cool, good, like, awesome. He's, he's, he's the kind of a man who does care about what he says and also cares about what's said about him, um, which is kind of rare in, in the entertainment industry. So, I, I just think a lot of what's going on uh, is wrong and, and stupid. And I think, you know, fine, he left Twitter. Uh, oh, gosh, I'm going to cry he left Twitter. No, I'm not. What I am genuinely upset about is him being called names that I don't think in any way, shape, or form are correct. Yeah. And and uh, of all the people in Hollywood who could be termed racist, I don't see him as one of them ever. However, Adam Sandler, on the other hand. <laughs> Wait, can I, can I well, just well, say one just... thing before we segue? Well, I yes. don't want to segue no, it was... either because I want to talk about no, Robert sorry. Downey it Jr. Was... Okay. Yeah. It's, my thing is just going to be very quick. My big problem with this whole Twitter blow up actually has very little to do with Joss Whedon. It has everything to do with, were there bits of Age of Ultron that were problematic? Yes. See my previous rant, R.E., all of a sudden tits everywhere. However, the gross overreaction and pylon and absolute rage storm that came down has effectively shut down any kind of intelligent or even sane discourse about what was problematic and what was not and how we can move forward. But it's doing great for the yeah. profits, so... Yeah. The mm. only thing I've seen that so far that has managed to be awesome was Mark Ruffalo's response. So, good for him. Yeah, because Mark what Ruffalo is a fucking gem. Mark oh, Ruffalo is on my awesome list. He wrote an yeah, entire essay. You, um, I'm, I can't paraphrase it now because I don't remember it clearly enough and I want to do him yeah. justice. But I highly recommend anyone who wants to think about this whole thing critically look into it because he is critical of the parts of Age of Ultron that were problematic and he is critical of the backlash in such an amazing and erudite way. It's so, so Brian, I want I, you to find a link for that so that uh, yes, I will. I mean, the plot of Age of Ultron was dumb. Was it enjoyable? Yeah. What do you want? 
<laughs> it's a comic yeah. book. Hello. Like, what yeah. the what the fuck were you expecting? Like, it's a comic yeah. book. Now, it's gonna now, be a other, lot of action. The other big quote controversy, um, regarding Robert Downey Jr. Now, not to excuse literally anything else that have, has ever come out of this man's mouth because he's a dumbass. <laughs> and you can just add him to the list right now. <coughs> but Mark Ruffalo, I love you. Ugh, Mark the Ruffalo end. is the best. Okay, anyway, so he made a comment about the Mexican director of Age of Ultron, which was entirely complimentary. And his agents, his publicizers have said, what are you talking about? This was a compliment. And everyone has decided that it's racist. <coughs> now, I'm going to read the quote, and it says, Look, I respect the heck out of him. I think for a man whose native tongue is Spanish, to be able to put together a phrase like cultural genocide just speaks to how bright he is. And they took that as a racist comment. <laughs> yeah. Because Which is ridiculous. Mexicans can't speak English? No, Mexicans don't have English as their primary language. <laughs> no, or, or even some, exactly. some of them do, I assume. But... And the point is, is that it wasn't his first language, and that he is more than incredibly competent in English. He is, in fact, eloquent. Was that the most straightforward way to say that? No, but it's clearly not racist, guys. I think, you know, well, people, people need to stop jumping to the conclusion that everything is biased, because it isn't. Right. My thing with that with that whole thing is, if someone, if someone whose first language is Spanish, said, "Yeah, I I kind of felt slighted by that," I would, I would listen to them and I would take that as a reason to be upset. But when white slacktivists on Twitter tell me that that's racist. I kind of side-eye that. I mean, that, let's just think about it this way. If someone said something about this, so, someone said the same thing to you about something you said in Spanish, would you be pissed off or feel really awesome about yourself? I would feel pretty cool about myself because I can't even, like, I can come up with where is the bathroom and or the library? So if, if you were so smart that you had so completely mastered the Spanish language as to be able to basically write literature in Spanish... Like, I would think that that would come, that would as, a come as a huge compliment. It would be. From Dennis anyone. Salbano. So, okay. Is that activists on Twitter are for the most part jackasses and need to calm the hell down and relax. That's well, it. There are some intelligent people on Twitter. It's just that the people who have fermented these controversies are need to much louder unfortunately yeah i think the word you were looking for was fomented fomented you're right <laughs> fermented fermented would, would be a really interesting controversy yeah and we need something fermented would definitely to, involve bacteria or some sort of yeast like product mm. i don't know oh beer <laughs> You know, of all the things we could have talked about tonight, we've talked about the Marvel Universe for exactly 40 minutes. (laughs) 
And I mean, wait, you know, can I just say one final, real quick thing? Promise me about it's a that. One. Okay, go ahead. It is. Um, so in the Sony leak, um, there was an email from um, between someone at Sony and the Marvel CEO, um, where basically their reason for a black for not having a Black Widow movie was because Elektra sucked, the Catwoman movie sucked, and the Supergirl movie from 30 years ago sucked. And those three movies, besides all of the other failed male, white male protagonists like Batman and Robin and Green Lantern, that's the reason we can't have a Black Widow movie. Right, so we can't have a Black Widow movie. How many bad movies has the Hulk had, and yet he's still in Like five. Yeah. So that's my final thing. The reason we don't have a Black Widow movie, surprise, it's because of sexism. Hooray. And wouldn't a Black Widow movie be awesome because weren't her flashbacks in those scenes like the fucking creepiest, most amazing thing you've ever seen? Absolutely. I would watch that movie in a second. I don't even care that I already know what happened. The cool part is that the backstory for it is already written. From the Agent Carter series. Good news, yeah. though. Good news, though, because SNL has you covered. <laughs> no, I want creepy ballerinas. And did you Did you see that though? That was hilarious. Anyway, yeah, we should. We should how long have we been well, talking we'll about this? To that Way too long. Thirty-seven <laughs> minutes and twenty-five seconds right. now. We'll just put a link to the SNL skit in the in the thing. Yeah. Well, help Hulk eat ice cream. Flash. <laughs> <laughs> Marvel, so, we know, so, girls. Even though Sony says because it was a bad Supergirl movie 30 years ago, we can't have a Black Widow movie, uh, ABC, uh, CBS has just uh, ordered a full season of Supergirl, the TV series. And that's kind of interesting at this point, that they're yes. willing to go at that level. And thank God they didn't do that Wonder Woman series, which was just horrible. Anyway, mm. there's a bunch of other stuff that we could talk about, but we can't because we don't have the time because our guest has been sitting here patiently not listening to the spoilers with <laughs> <laughs> Jamal Igo from Action Sorry, we're sorry. Oh, good Lord. Oh, man. <laughs> you should know us by now. Yes. That when we get passionate about something, we could talk for two, three, four, five, six hours. Not a big deal. Not that I, not that I didn't enjoy the parts of the conversation that I consciously looked, listened to and didn't try to black out by uh, <laughs> sticking my fingers in my ears and going, la, 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 la. Uh, perfect, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, four years ago, was it four years ago you had the first Kickstarter? It was three years ago. Three years ago, yeah. And it was for one of those comics that was from you, from your heart, something you wanted to write called Molly Danger. And that, that original comic, which I own one of the hard copies of because I just loved it, um, was stories for your daughter, essentially, wasn't it? Pretty much. I mean, it it evolved as I was put it as I was putting it together. And you know, Katie, who is now who was four then and is now seven, just turned seven, is probably 
you know, a much bigger influence on Molly as a character than I ever even imagined. You can probably hear her in the background. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Molly... It, it, it's hard for me to talk about Molly without sort of waxing poetically a little bit just because it's, it's a project that... It's, it's, it's a project that I never imagined that I would fall as deeply in love with as I have. And that is as important to me as it has become. So I, I tend to find it that in, in talking about Molly and talking about where I want to take the series and talking about you know the you know having had the the opportunity to do the first book it, it, it's it's i get tongue tied a little bit i think <laughs> <laughs> okay so now 3 years after the first book has come out mm-hmm. receiving wonderful critical acclaim and and doing and it did quite well as i recall as well yeah it did it did You've decided a second volume is ready. Yes. And you ran uh, it to Kickstarter. You didn't learn your lesson from Kickstarting the first time. No. You know, you know what? I, I sort of felt like I, uh, I needed to do it. I mean, the, one of these books, it's a, it's a time-consuming process. It's very expensive to put the book together. You know, and then on top of everything else, you know, there's the, the extra added bonus, which we'll talk about, you know, later. But it, in the last couple of years, and I actually delayed doing book two by a year. I originally wanted to start on it last year, but couldn't um, because of, you know, complications with, you know, the first Kickstarter and you know, shipping and all, all sorts of night, you know, slightly nightmarish things involved and, you know, having to work and then starting my, my current, one of my current positions, which is as, you know, the former, uh, co uh, director of marketing, now current vice president of marketing for action lab. Uh, it's, it's been a busy three years. Yeah. Kind of has. Yeah. <laughs> So while, while you've been uh, rising up the ladders in, in, in the corporate at, at Action Lab, you've kind of been writing this book in your spare time, whatever that means anymore. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's not even just, you know, doing the, the corporate bit with Action Lab because I still freelance. So, right. you know, I was still freelancing as a creator full time working at Action Lab full time and then you know writing bits of molly you know as i could and you know working stuff out as i could so you know when once i finally felt that i had enough of a, a clearance you know work wise i decided you know, okay now's the time to to do the campaign uh and what I've discovered is that the the the, the nature and uh, the nature of Kickstarter has changed. What in do you the mean last by that? Of years. 
the the field is much more crowded. You have more. You you not only do you have more creators in general uh, launching projects on Kickstarter, you have more uh, name creators launching projects on Kickstarter. So you know, it's been a little bit of a. I, I hesitate to put this in these terms. It's a little bit of a fight. To, to get the word out about the second the, the second Kickstarter as opposed to the first one you know it's easy to to be the the, the first guy out of the gate you know or not right. or one of the first guys out of the gate you know when it was still a relatively new and novel concept in terms of uh, publishing comics but now you know Gene Haas running a Kickstarter Steve Bryant had a Kickstarter that didn't succeed. You know, you have a bunch of, you know, Jimmy Palmiotti has run a bunch of Kickstarters. Did you consider at any point moving to another funding platform? I did, but I thought that it would be easier to go to Kickstarter since I already had an established uh, uh Track record, right? Well, not just a track record, but you know, backers who would all who were already, you know, set up on Kickstarter. I I thought that it would be easier to make that transition over to, from one campaign to another, but it hasn't been as successful as I'd hoped. So it's it's that that level of frustration of uh, the field wasn't nearly as crowded as it is now. Mm-hmm. And just getting noticed on Kickstarter right now is much more difficult than it was three years ago. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it. There, you know, nothing. Nothing is supposed to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> nothing is ever supposed to be easy. You know, my my philosophy of life in general is fortune favors the bold. So. You know, even if the campaign doesn't receive its funding, it doesn't mean that I'm giving up trying to get Molly Danger Book 2 done. You know, I may have to move to another platform. I may have to shoot for a lower price point. I may have to do, you know, a, a few things. But this project is... It means the world to me, and it's something that I that I said to myself when I started that I was going to see all the way through, no matter what. I was going to find a way to get it done, in in the fashion that I wanted to do it, in the format that I wanted to do it, telling the story that I wanted to tell. And then you know, once it's done, once you know these four books that I have planned are done and finished, then I can walk away. But until that point, I will find whatever means I can to get these books done. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the first book, did you have an audio book of the first book? No, I didn't have an audio book of the first book. And that actually came along a, a, a year later. I was approached by uh, Audio Comics, which is run by uh, Lance Roger Axe, Elaine Lee, and Bill DeFree. And um, they wanted to do the Molly Danger. They wanted to do the first book. Um, we thought it was a great idea. We recorded it in a day. 
Uh, nice. <laughs> you know, and, and we had a full full cast. We had about nine actors working a you know eight hour day in a recording studio, including myself in Maine, and we had a great time. And you know, they they put together a great you know full cast audio with you know effects and you know music and the whole nine yards. So when I was planning the second Kickstarter, I decided that instead of having to having to wait to do the second book, which you know for for two reasons I decided I didn't want to wait to do the second book. I wanted to try and have the funds available to do the second book at the same time. The the audio for the second book at the same time because the the actress the young actress who plays Molly, Olivia Duford, was eleven when she recorded the first book and she just turned 13. So she's getting oh. <laughs> and <Yeah>. <laughs> So, you know, I, I'm, I, and she's just, you know, such a great kid and I don't, didn't want to have to be put in a position eventually. I mean, eventually it might have to happen, but, you know, I didn't want to have to recast her too soon. Um, and the other one is just being able to have the audiobook available and, uh, to, to people, you know, at the same time as the the graphic album. On this book, you can not only get the hard copy version, you, you're also providing a DRM-free PDF yes. at, at certain levels. What made you decide to go DRM-free? I did it with the first book. You know, my feeling is, especially now having worked on, you know, once again being back on the corporate side of comics, you can't stop piracy. Damn you know, right. You, I mean, you just. <laughs> For all you know. You 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 know no you 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 just can't. There's just even the the right protected stuff. They find ways. They find ways of of either, you know. Somebody could just as easily take the, the 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 actual book and go take the time to scan every single page at 600 DPI and upload it to a website somewhere, or they can take the files off of Comixology, which I've seen them do. I, you know, there, there's or and, they can get the very best beautiful resolution from you. Well, this is true. This is this is true. And, and I would, people uh, who want to buy it and need a digital copy, I think, in my opinion, will do it. This is true as well, and there are a lot of people who, you know, find other ways to get it, but will turn around and buy a, a, a buy the hardcover book because it's a different experience. It's a completely different experience, and it just goes for what you want. And I'm sure there are some people. I I definitely don't know any of these people, but. I'm sure there's some people who for whom Molly Danger is a special enough comic that even if they somehow have the digital version, they're going to want the special version. They're going to come find you at a right. convention to get you to sign it or to buy it from right. you directly because right. it's it's a special thing to them. And that will always be true for everything. There are going to be people who find it special enough to do that. Well, this is true. not everything. Molly Danger. But, <laughs> thank you. Definitely not Nazis, is my point. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the, the other thing that you did with this, uh, with this second Kickstarter, is you also gave people the opportunity to get book one, mm -hmm. and the audiobook of book one, 
as well right. as book two in the audio book of book two, which I think from my standpoint is really cool. I know I, and I mean, we've had this discussion in private a number of times. I really treasure book one. I, I think it's wonderful. I think it, it's, Do it's really? a really, do you really happen cool to have story. a hard copy done? I happen to have one. Yes, I do. Gee, I definitely was not with you when you picked it up. <laughs> not only that, but you were there when we had that discussion, as I recall it as well. Maybe. You can't prove Maybe. anything. You can't prove no. anything. Not as far as anyone That's knows. That's why I use a VPN. <laughs> I mean, but what? I mean, exactly. But that's why, you know, for, for people who are getting involved in this project from book two will now be able to get book one as well exactly. and if you're into the audio versions which oh by the way i am as well if only because it's great when i'm driving <laughs> uh i mean truly i've become addicted to to audio comics and audio books when i drive to the chagrin of everybody else in the car and i don't really give a shit too bad <laughs> Well, you know, I'm I'm a radio fan. I'm a radio complete radio file. I love listening to audiobooks. I love listening to old radio shows. So, the, the, I I think that's really what you know sold me on doing, you know, the audiobook of book 1 is just having that and having that experience, you know. See, but I feel like old radio shows and audiobooks are often very much not the same thing and that Com comic comic books lend themselves to that old radio sort of feel so much better than say any sort of novel. And that well, like yeah. No, go ahead. No, I was about what I was about to say was there is there is that visual component um from both. I mean with novels it's more theater you know, they they're both represent different facets of theater of the mind. You know, between the audio yeah. and then the the novel reading experience. The novel reading experience, you are in. I think you are investing more. It's a more active media. You know, than you know, than listening to a radio show, which is more of a passive media. You know, especially if it's done well, they're sort of filling in the gaps for you. And the better the better it's produced, the more involved you come with it. There's no question exactly. about that. Exactly. But then comic books kind of also fill in the gap for you because they're sort of you've got the art there to look at and it's not sort of making it up making up the settings in your mind as you go, if that makes no, sense. No, but the, and and, and, and that's why I feel like they're more equivalent. Right. Well with comic books also um, there's a thing that happens in your head is you create connections between panels. So you're sort of filling in that space in between. As Maybe this is why books. I'm terrible at both reading comic books and listening to audiobooks. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you ever encountered anyone who can't really read comic books before? Because I really suck at reading comic books. I have. But see, that's the thing. is The way that I, I try to explain it to people is that reading comics, it's like learning a language. It's really hard. It, it is. If you don't understand how a comic book is read... It's confusing. It can be very confusing, especially if you have. There are a lot of artists who aren't the strongest visual storytellers. Do you so, think some uh, of it might be generational as well? Oh, I think it's absolutely I, generational. I mean, you know, frankly, when I was growing up, there wasn't that kind of hard-coded technology that was 
that was very passive to deal with and very much in your face and very much uh, flashy and, and 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 very 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 fast. Well, Dom, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that counts for any of us here. I don't think any of us are quite that young. Mm-hmm. Thank maybe, you so maybe, much. Maybe Drew is, but not us. But he, I mean, even so, I think you know, uh, comic books in the sixties and seventies were very very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would even say told- up until like the 80s. I mean, when you really like things started to kind of shift a little bit more, probably around like 88 or 80, like 87 or 88, where you started getting you know you know more guys trying to make the the comic book experience you know more visceral, like taking the 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 lessons of Kirby. Or Gil Kane, or even Burn, and trying to push them in new, different directions, but not quite achieving it as well. So wait a minute, I, I'm, I'm not understanding. Are you saying that the older ones should be easier to read or harder? Well, definitely easier to read. See, and I, I don't th- find that true at all. I but- somehow definitely purchased all the Constantine comic books, which are quite old, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're what seventies, late seventies. Early 70s? I think so. I think I 73, think so. if I remember correctly, was the first one. And, like, man, could I not get through the first one. <laughs> and, and, I mean, the first one where I kind of already knew the story, so, like, there's really no excuse for that. It should have just been, like, whatever. You know, it's it's similar enough to the pilot of the TV show that just started that I was, like, I was interested in the character. I was already invested in reading this. After glancing over his Wikipedia page, I was, like, this is definitely something I will love. And, mm. and I just can not, I don't not like the art. Hi. I don't not like the writing. I just, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> I want to read it. Kriana, well, um, that's a story for another thanks, show. Sir Sarah, uh, for your support. It's only out of love. Yeah, well, I know what to tell Haley Atwell next time I see her. <gasps> no. I say next uh. time, like that's a thing. <laughs> Like you know, Jamal, we, <laughs> yeah. I, I had so many other questions I, I, I was going to ask you about we Action can, Lab we Comics can go long. Like, we and can stuff. Go long if you'd like yeah, to. And, and we kind of already have to some degree already. Uh, no, but we got two minutes. You're good. Keep going. We got, we got a whole two minutes? Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. And, and I'm guessing you have a life as well, but. <laughs> well, yeah. At some point, I need to go to bed. I got to get up early to run. So. <laughs> so oh, man, you sound when, unhealthy. I'm yeah, trying. <laughs> when the first Kickstarter came out, was the book done? No, it wasn't done. Actually, I, I when when I when I did the first Kickstarter, I had the script written, but I hadn't. I had pages laid out, but I hadn't had it drawn yet. Um, and you know, part of that was because I needed. It needed the time to actually do the artwork. A, a page of Molly Danger ended up taking two and a half days to draw because of the level of detail that I was putting uh, putting into the book. And you know, I know a lot of people are saying, "Wow, that seems a little excessive," but that was the feeling that I was I was going for something more complete than you would get from you know your average comic book reading experience. How dare you take pride in your work? <laughs> God, really? why do we even like think? this guy? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. 
now with this with this book, you're not again in that same position where we're probably looking at seven to ten months after the Kickstarter right. ends. Right, right. Trying to get they're trying to get it done as quickly as possible, but you know, uh, it should take about six months to get, uh, to get done. But you know, there's 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 a there's a the, the part of it is that there are other Molly related things that I am working on that are coming out before book two that haven't been announced yet. Official <laughs> so- cosplay costume. Awesome! I'm awesome. <laughs> you did not hear it for here first, everyone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think somebody a, just got an idea. However, yeah, uh, I actually did have a friend of mine who who surprised me at New York Comic Con. She made a Molly Danger costume and wore Aww, it at New York Comic. That's really Which awesome. I I was floored. I was absolutely floored. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I mean, there's going to be more news as that going going forward. But um, that's part. Yeah, of it. And I'm hoping is one of your favorite podcasts <laughs> will get you know a little bit uh, of an advance on that when it happens. Oh, absolutely. You're so greedy, Dome. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <sighs> I'm not what are we even going to do with you? Anything <laughs> or anything. Hmm. So, and you've got to come back a little later uh, this year and, and talk some more about Action Lab and what's going oh, on there. We, we, we because just, no, we, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. It's just, no, no. No, it's just, you know, Action Lab, you know, we're going on our, on our fifth year as a publisher. Um, you know, we have the the Puppet Master series, which is doing really well. Zombie Tram, which is doing really well. Nutmeg. We just finished the 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 Princeless Pirate Princess. Fight like a girl. We've got Arrow Girl coming out. Princeless uh, is an awesome one. I really like that one. Yeah. I, also, you, the yeah. one with the cat. I forget what uh, that one was called. Uh, Hero Cats, of Stellar City. No, no, no. The the cats and the zombie clowns or something. The cats and the zombie clown. Oh, M3? That yes, was M3. it. Yes, I really M3. loved that one. M Theory is a great book. We, uh, you know, we, but you know, as great as 2015 has been so far, 2016 is going to blow people away. I'm excited. There, there are so many things planned for 2016 that. I'm, you know, as a reader, I'm just like, I can't believe we're doing this stuff. You know, and we've got, we're, we're going to have, we've already got, like, Rick Burchett, his his book, uh, Nailvire, is coming out in July from Action Lab. His, uh, his webcomic, we're putting it into print finally. So that's coming out, you know, we've got more name creators coming on board every single day. So it's some it's it's good times. It's exciting times. And you know, like I said, we're going to have you back and talk about that later on this year. Uh right now the word is Molly Danger book 2, the graphic album and audiobook. Um if it's anything with the passion and care that you brought to book one, I can't wait to see it. Thank you so much, man. Oh, thanks for having me. So, Sarah, talk to us, my darling. Yes, well, 
Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic-Con, Granite Con, Rhode Island Comic-Con, booksandbooze.com, and comicarthouse.com. Visit comicarthouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their grooves on lawrencemademecry.com. Tonight's intro music provided by Rob Watts. Find more of his creations at robwattsonline.com. Dome. I want to thank you, Mom. Thank you for stopping Thank you, Cass, from the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Brianna and Zombrian. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, bite me. Yeah. <laughs> you your own personal galaxy quest. Sir Sarah, you can get some sleep now. For new Agent Carter! <laughs> this is Dome City Genie. Shared pit is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good afternoon, everybody. I know.